power is here. Check it out. And you're locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. This is, this is, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Let's do it. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Why do we got soccer on the, the screen here? It's not uh, even our Yeah, it's probably left over from last night. How would you think of Mussolini? Did you Have you guys bought the Who? Apple? Uh, yeah, the, the soccer guy that just Messy. whipped up on RSL. Have you guys bought the soccer package on the iPlatform yet? Uh Let's just say there's a um, situation like an akin to you and Ryan. <laughs> okay, okay, that's kind of nice to have that availability. But I think that Major League Soccer screwed themselves with this. If you can't post it mainstream, if Messi can't be on CBS last night, you've missed an opportunity. And, and Messi hasn't missed an opportunity. No, because, no, yeah, because he's getting a cut of everything. Yeah, and so he knows he's got exclusivity on that deal and he knows anybody that wants to see him has to buy it yep and he gets a cut of it and that's a pretty sweet deal he's got to be just raking it oh in. yeah well i mean look the guy turned down the uh you know the uh saudi government who was trying to give him all kinds of money to play over in their league a ton of money and and i guess that was his family like it was more his wife was like i don't exactly want to go to the middle east Miami sounds nice. I've yeah. heard good things about Miami. Middle East. Mm, don't know how they're doing with the whole women's rights things. So yeah. let's go play in Miami. And at what point does it all just become monopoly money? Like, look, I'm all about generating crazy amount of wealth. But at what point, like, do you have more money than you know what to spend? Like, you just can't spend it. And I think he had that a long time ago. Exactly. Even it's- after paying all his tax penalties yeah. that he and his dad got themselves intertwined with. But so, I, I watched the highlights. I didn't watch the game because I don't have the Apple subscription. But I watched the highlights, and the highlights are all about Messi. Okay, can the two of you explain to me? Because you look at Messi. You look at his build. You look at his speed. Yeah. Can you guys explain to me why he's the greatest to ever play the game? I Well, that's the thing. Like, you see him, and it looks like he's – and, again, I know there's going to be soccer nerds out there like, you guys sound horrible, Whatever. Well, I have up. the NASCAR people after me. Oh, do you? Oh, they okay. Didn't, they didn't like the way I talked about the 500. When you talk about elitist, soccer soccer fans are number one. NASCAR fans are pretty they're, close. They're right there. Behind they're them. right there. Yep. And they uh, shouldn't be. Do you? Would you like us to start watching in, in the game? Then don't don't shame us. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Uh, baseball fans get a little salty too. Well, yeah, I think it goes. I think it goes major league soccer. It goes soccer, NASCAR, and then I think that there's this weird like. Before I learned all about golf, and now I can talk to golf because I watch it, I play it, golf people would get just ugly with me. 
You don't even know what you're talking about. Obviously, you don't understand how the nuances. How, how do you nuances... not know what a fried egg is? <laughs> how do you not know? No, you've never overcooked anything in your life, so you don't even know. And the, it's... the worst, like, oh, so we've been doing sports radio for a long time. And I remember, and, and it's funny because, like, 20 years ago is when I started doing sports radio here daily in Salt Lake. And uh, the old Average Joe show, me and Jake Scott and Eric Ray. And, uh, and I... One of the first times that I, this was before Twitter, before Facebook, before social media of any kind, and everything was either phone calls or emails. And uh, it was the Masters of 2004, and you had all these old guys that were still alive that were playing, like, um, you know, and and because you could still play. If you want a Masters, you could still play around. And I'm like, what is these old, haggard, raggedy Uh-oh. old dude slowing down everybody's round get out of there and you know i'm like young i'm like i'm gonna come in with this hard opinion uh, and that was the first time where i had really <laughs> negative nasty Before feedback. social media too yeah so i was getting all these emails hey you fat so bald sob blah 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 i'm like whoa oh, wow you guys are mean i was just kidding i was just having some fun coming in <laughs> ryan hatch told me to have some hard opinions there you go man well and, but yeah you're right golf fans can get salty they real can quick. but i gotta tell you and you know Lionel is he's he's my goat and it's it's not that i'm a soccer puritan i don't know it inside he's no out. cristiano ronaldo he is the he's better one he's better than cristiano he's he's better than Pele, he's better than he is the greatest all time, and I get it. I just don't understand why. But when I was watching the highlights of him, because he did have, I think he assisted on the second half goal that that um, Miami ended up with. You watch the way his feet touched the soccer ball, and and I guess you could say this about a lot of soccer players, but that ball never gets further from his foot than he wants it to. Yeah, in a given yeah. very short steps. That, well, that's yeah. the thing. The control that he has is ridiculous because he doesn't look like the most physically um dominating person out there. He doesn't look faster than everybody else, nope. but he just nope. it's just everything is just smooth, controlled and he just looks at a different level than everybody else. I remember when Tony Kukoc came into the league for the Bulls and you know one of the first really great European players. I mean, I don't know if great, but but really good European players and I'm like this dude looks slow and awful but yet nobody could guard him. Yeah. Same thing with uh Dirty Dirk, you know? Like he doesn't what look. Is, how can or, you not defend against him? Or Luca, him? like yeah. Luca doesn't look. I mean, Luca looks like you know, looks like an average schmuckatelli that shows up to a gold's gym once a month. You know, and you're like, how's this guy beating everybody? How's this guy doing this? But yet he just does. Well, I was watching Lino's first shot on frame against RSL last night, and I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the keeper. You know, just watching Lionel Messi coming at me. The greatest ever. And here I am, uh, Real Salt Lake, playing in frame, trying to stop whatever he's bringing. And my mind was actually spinning for the guy a little bit because you're you're facing Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, and Messi's not out of his prime. I mean, he's, he's starting to break into that back end of it a bit, but he's still right there in the prime mix of his illustrious career and he's making these shifts and he ended up deflecting it over the top of the goal, which was great. But I was thinking, Holy cow, man, having that guy come at me, the way he shifts with the ball, 
that his knowledge of, okay, I can fake with this left foot to the top corner, but I'm going to tap it with this right foot. And as the goal, you're sitting there looking at it like, oh, it was a good job to, to send it over the, the iron, but crazy watching Messi in at, at this level. And it's doing worlds of good for Major League Soccer. Oh, yeah. No, it's the best thing that's ever happened, ever, for Major League Soccer. Ever happened. Uh, you do wish that there was a little bit more availability. Like, you do wish, you know, that you could not have to bum a password off somebody. That should have been on CBS last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it would have pulled in crazy ratings. Imagine if our country could have sat there yeah. and just watched Messi do his thing. My the, kids watched the entire – we watched the entire game. Did you like really? The entire game. Yeah, and the kids – they watched more of soccer – than they have of a of a jazz game, like like all when I have for, a jazz game, all for like, Leno, Leno, right? Like yes, yeah, Z, like Xavier, like my man, he got a, a messy jersey for Christmas. Oh my gosh! Like the pink one? No, not the pink one. Argentinian. All right. Oh my. He didn't gosh. do the pink one. So they were just sitting. They just wanted to. And see. they watched, and he was geeked the entire time, uh, rooting for for Messi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I he's, mean, he's Michael Jordan. It's yeah, it's it's Jordan. the Michael Jordan effect. Well, there's yeah. well, there's certain people that just transcend their sport. Uh-huh. Like Messi goes away, I don't think people keep watching soccer at this level. Nope. It's like nope. It's like Caitlin Clark at Iowa. Like everywhere Iowa goes, they're selling out. The Big Ten or no, yeah, Big Ten uh, women's tournament. Um, is apparently close to a sellout for tickets for their conference tournament because everybody wants to see Caitlin Clark play. Well, guess what? Caitlin Clark leaves. Back to square one. It's going to be back to square one. Yeah. Because there's just certain people yeah. that just transcend their sport that are must-watch. It's not the sport. It's the person. There's but not a there's not a male college basketball player right now no. that can compete with what what she's brought. Golf is the same, the same way. With Tiger, Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, I mean— you, it's dropped off yeah. for golf. I mean, you know how you, you like you guys are diehard. You'll watch the uh, waste management. You guys will watch that. Like I will watch the majors, but I have a hard time watching a random event that's a non-major on the weekends. Like I, I will watch it a little mm-hmm. bit, but but when it was Tiger and it was a final round and Tiger was up top of the leaderboard, I don't care if it was the waste management, the Masters, or the. Joe Schmuckatelli tires open. Like, I'm like, bam, let's go. When let's it was the it. Tiger, we knew. When it was the yeah. Tiger, we knew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, frankly, even now, still, I'll still watch Tiger. Yeah. Because you'll check to see if he's going to do something amazing. Yeah. Kind of and then when he withdraws, tiger. you're like, okay. Well, I, I'll tell you, there, you know, in my 17 years, this will be my 18th college football season covering on air that uh, that'll be coming up here. But in my 17 years on air, the two most impressive – on air, me covering it, me watching it, me talking about it. The two most impressive, uh, emotionally jarring feats that I've watched in sports was LeBron James dragging the Cleveland Cavaliers past the Golden State Warriors. Down 3-1. Down 3-1. That was shocking and inspiring and incredible. Back when LeBron had guts and a, and a spine and everything. <sighs> The second was Tiger Woods winning the Masters out of nowhere. Yeah. What was that, two, three years ago? Two, three years ago? Three or – yeah, three years ago probably. Was that post-COVID? No, I that think... was pre-COVID, wasn't it? Uh, 2019 that... Masters maybe? Man, if it was 19, I'm going to feel I'm going to be old. sick. But I thought maybe it was post-COVID. Maybe it was 21. I think it was 21. Yeah, I think it was 21 because remember you had 
you had two Masters that were nearly back-to-back. Yeah, because they played in November, and yeah. then they played again in April. They had one fall and then one spring, and they were, they were close. No, it was 19. Ah! <laughs> Where's the time going? This sucks. It was pre-COVID. That was five years ago. It'll be five, five years, years ago, ago in April. That is insane. Oh, man, I'm so glad we got a Masters rolling back around, fellas. Just a month and a half. That's why I always love like when CBS has the Super Bowl and you start seeing those Masters ads and you're like, well, it's still January, February, but it's coming. We're going to get there. Yeah. Man, I, I do love the Masters. I do, too. Hey, I've got a question I need to ask you here in the starter. Yeah, hit me. Let's get to it. Starting lineup, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is Hans and Scotty G. Let's go. The lineup is set, and it's time to kick off the show with the biggest topic of the day. This is the starting lineup on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, starting lineup right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home of the award-winning line of America's Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's right now, $59 furnace tune-up special, or you can also visit them online at leesheatac.com. I know we've got the Utah Jazz Preview Show coming up, but I actually was thinking about this all morning and was kind of interested and excited to throw the question at you. How long can the Jazz keep Larry Markin and happy at this pace? And so let me ex- just explain the pace to, to people out there. Larry Markinen in an all-star bid doesn't make the postseason, but was an all-star with great numbers. This year, Larry Markinen with all-star-like performance, all-star-like numbers, probably not going to make the postseason again. He's going to be coming up on a contract in 24-25. So next season, his contract expires. And next season, he'll be playing for less than Colin Sexton and John Collins. Yeah. He's actually going to be making less than John Collins by a stretch for John Collins and just about 100000 less than Colin Sexton. So that's kind of where his contract sits in his situation. But how long can you keep him happy and keep him here and keep the rebuild and selling while not buying? Uh, it's a great question. I think we'll know actually a lot quicker than you will, than, than we'll think because, um, and, uh, I don't know, I probably need Ben to help me out on this one because I think you can get some extension work done and if, and obviously he'll be a max player. And so you can swallow that pill. If you're a Larry marketing next year, knowing you're making less, knowing the, the year after you're making a lot of money. And that'll be his willingness to sign that extension, I think, will be the telltale sign. So he's going to go from an $18 million player to a 44 or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because he's earned it. He's, what, 25, 26 years old. He's in the prime of his career and nowhere near coming to the end of that prime of his career. And the Jazz have his bird rights. They can pay him more money than everybody else. And so the question will be, how much does he want to re-sign with the Jazz? And every indication I've gotten is that he will and that the Jazz will roll out the red carpet. But if there's any hiccups to that, then, yeah, you'll you'll get a good indication that he's like, no, you know what? I want to go somewhere where I can I can win a championship. That's what I don't want it to get to. And that's why I ask, how long can you 
keep him happy and make sure because he he's a he's a winner. Yeah. And more likely than not going to miss the postseason again this year. At least that's that's where I feel because best, I, yeah. I can't see anybody in the West that's currently in the top ten that's going to come out of the top. Yeah, 10. I mean it's going to come down to to uh, Golden State. I think the Lakers are probably okay, and Golden State might fall. But I don't. But I don't. But we I, talked about Golden State. I man. wouldn't plan on that. I mean, the Jazz are just, you know, about a game and a half back behind Golden State, so they can catch them. But there are three back behind the Lakers for nine, and I don't. I don't see them catching the Lakers. It's going to be tough. I don't. But if the LeBron thing, if he, LeBron's out and stays out for a while, then maybe. But I don't think that's going to be the case. LeBron wants to. He wants to get in the playoffs. Well, I was looking at some Lowry marketing numbers, and and I'm just impressed with Lowry from every angle. Every angle, it, you know, the human side of Lowry to the the player side of Lowry to. The personal side, like everything that I see from him is exactly what you want in a Utah Jazz man. Stays out of trouble, works his butt off, continues to improve. I was actually looking at um, some numbers. I I ran a couple of numbers. I did a uh, to the All-Star game in the 2022-2023 season comparison. So, you know, basically October through February 13th yeah. of, of last season. And his numbers to that all-star run were spectacular. He was averaging 27 and a half points, and, and it was incredible. Now, things squared out, leveled out a little bit through the end of that season because the trade deadline and what he dealt with to start to what he dealt with to finish. And you see his numbers average out and kind of lean out a little bit. But a couple of things. Number one, he's playing 1.6 minutes less per game this year than last year. So he's down a minute and a half, over a minute and a half yeah. per game this year to last year. Um, that has affected his point production. Last year, he averaged 25.6 points. Right now, to the All-Star weekend, he's averaging 23.4 points. So, you know, you take a minute and a half or, or more off of his time and you drop his, his points down a little bit. But we are seeing some increases in areas that I think are a good sign. We've seen his three-point percentage jump by a full point. He shot 39.2% from three in the 22-23 season. He's shooting 40.3%. He's over 40% this year, hitting from three. And we've also seen his three-point attempts jump this year so he's he's nearly an attempt more than he was last year his field attempts are down his three-point attempts are up so i I like those indicators and what's bonkers i mean this is just random coincidence 8.6 rebounds per game in 22 23 he's currently at 8.6 rebounds in 23 24 1.9 assists in 22-23, he's currently at 1.9 assists in 23-24. So identical on rebounds, identical on assists. His percentage on the outside is bumping up a little bit. His point production dropping a bit. His his in-the-field shots dropping a little bit. But what I see is a guy that's just staying committed to his craft, regardless of missing the postseason, regardless of trade deadlines where he loses buddies, regardless of – What's happening in the coaching staff 
you know, because there was a coaching move that was made in the offseason, it doesn't matter. Larry Markkinen just stays committed to the direction. And that's what brought me to the question, because I, I know you're tuned into these things. How long can you keep this up before he's like, how long are you going to sell? Yeah. How long are you going to rebuild? How, how many years am I going to miss on this? This is going to be a really fascinating offseason because how long – now, look, you don't need to have – and I don't expect, expect the Jazz to have that crazy offseason that Danny Ainge had where he acquired Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and they went from being a bad team to being a championship-caliber team, like, overnight. I mean, I would love for that to happen. Uh, I don't expect that to happen, but I do expect the Jazz to do something that makes them better next year. Now, I'm not talking – 20 games better next year, but I am talking about five to eight games better next year and certainly well within playoff range next year. So I do think that happens. And I think that, um, I mean, look, I'm not in that locker room every day. Sorry, people. Um, But I do think I have a pretty good vibe from people I talk to and people in that organization that have told me that, Larry Markkinen is likes Utah, likes the organization, likes the stability, likes everything that's being established here, has not created any waves, and understands the path this organization is in. And I do also know from people I've talked to inside the organization that they are very transparent with Markkinen, knowing that he is a huge piece to the future of this organization, that they are transparent with him on their plan. And that he is bought in. Mm. Now, that might be lip service of people trying to say all the right things. But I, I, I firmly believe that Markkinen is on board and understands the path of this organization. Now, look, two years from now, if this team is still, you know, just selling, selling, selling and acquiring assets, then I think we have a problem. Right now, I don't think we have a problem. Well, just because you brought it up thinking back to when Danny Ainge pulled the trigger because I did a little bit of research in that period of time when I was running some comparisons of how Danny managed that situation to how Danny Ainge is now managing this situation. At that point in time where he pulled the trigger for some big moves, Paul Pierce was dealing with some real restless leg syndrome. Oh, yeah, 100%. He was getting to the point where it was like, hey, uh, guys – and so I wonder how much Danny monitors Larry Markkinen's temperature and listens to where he's at. And I know he's got to compile things before he makes pushes all his chips in. But when he pushed his chips in with Paul Pierce, it was kind of a dire moment. Paul was ready, and he was starting to make noise. And at some point, I don't know if Lowry would make public noise. I don't get the feel that that's in his no it's it's not part of his dna so i don't think he'll make public noise but i think you'll see it he'll wear it i think you'll see it he'll wear it maybe more step backs with load management fewer games played the back end of the season Uh, minute restrictions or point reductions or you i think he'll wear it when it's there yeah and it'd be pretty, uh, you'll be able to see it. I think you'll be able to see it. Right now, I don't see it. Have you ever but seen? I don't want to see it with Lowry. Even like, have you ever seen disgruntled marketing in terms of anything? 
Like, we'll no, see him get after no. officials or no. something like that, but I've never seen him get after teammates. I've never seen him bark at coaching. I've never seen any of that. No, he is the he is the type of player that I want the Jazz to build their entire roster out of. I, yeah. I told you, I want... I wouldn't mind seeing a 60 or 70% European roster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as crazy as that sounds, because you and I started radio where it was like, oh, these guys are soft. They can't, they don't play hard. They can't handle physical basketball. We're just better. Blah, blah, blah. Well, now who's soft? Who's entitled? It's the, it's the American. It's the American players. players. Yeah. Yeah. Cry babies, load management, flopping, yeah. antics, uh, uh, forcing their hand on trades, demanding trades. Who's the more likable players right now in the league? It's European by a mile. Now, Giannis used to be extremely likable. Now he's gotten a little bit more Americanized. The, the grinder got him. Yeah. Yeah, the grinder got him. And now he's acting outside of what he used to be by a long stretch. Yeah, you're talking like grinders is that what you mean no no even though i do like a grinder with a little extra mail but nope that's not what i'm talking about why do you do this now you're gonna flip this back on me like well you're the one who got the 911 call it is you yeah but you, i didn't bring it up you know what your nickname is swirling around the, the office now that you're the big boss right it's, what? The, it's the grinder oh it's <laughs> It is. It's yes, because that's that's me. It's the grinder. You've been grinding, buddy. And you force us to grind. Hashtag grinding. The grind is real. <laughs> the grind is real. This job, there's no grinding about this job. I know. Well, but, you just come in with a with a flamethrower. Just go, <laughs> I'm not the PD anymore. <laughs> what, are you talking about me? Me? You. No. Yeah, you. you. Wow. Okay, yes, look. you. You came you. in on the drop and oh, talked about grinding. Uh, throw the grinding and now over there. all of a sudden, uh. I'm the bad guy. I don't like how you do this. All of a sudden, you were the one that turned your mic on, made a joke about grinding, and then all of a sudden, I become the bad guy around a, here. I made an Alema grinders joke. What did I didn't make any joke? I what did I do? He's the one that said you're the one grinding. Yeah, and I and I do like a good grinder with extra mail. That's what I said. Don't drag me into this. Hashtag grinding. <laughs> Stop it. Let's reset. All right, 1231, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present? This is JJ and Alex. Joining us right now, collegefootballnews.com. He is Pete Futak. Pete, what's going on, man? Give me the superpower team you're really freaked out about in the Big 12. There isn't one, which is why, you know, Utah is probably one of the favorites right now. Arizona is one of the favorites, Oklahoma State. One of those teams is going to get in the college football playoff. So it's just going to make the regular season that much bigger because now it's not just up to a panel of judges to come up with four teams. Top five ranked conference champions get in, seven at large. It's fine. You know, a little cookie to the group of five program champions. And they get their say in there. And then you get other teams, you know, who like an FSU of last year might get their moment and get in the playoff and, you know, do what they can do. It's just going to make suburbs that much bigger. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 V KSL Sports Zone. Hey, 
Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a good Thursday. By the way, uh, our good friend Ethan Miller is going to be hanging out with us in studio on Monday to help you out with your retirement plan. Tune in or visit retiretetan.com. Love, Ethan. He's a good dude. That's all we have to say about that. Is it, when's he coming in? Monday. Oh, okay. Um, hey, can I, I – hey, it's it's Thursday. Yes. And it's a non-football part of the season. I'm going to throw just a stupid – it's one of those stupid sports questions. We you. never do that on this show. No, we don't. No. It's but always I'm, above board. But I'm about to. All right. Let's get let's get let's get crazy. And Lloyd, I want your opinion on this too. Okay, I'm going to set up the scenario. Danny Sprinkle wins an outright conference championship. Okay, regular season. Regular season. Yep. Mark Pope wins a conference tournament championship. All right. Who's more likely to leave? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I need to look in. I know that the Utah State, his contract is public record. Obviously not at BYU being a private school. I don't know what his buyout is, but I think it's pretty hefty. I think Jerry Bovey built that in a way where, if okay, you can leave, but there are going to be some big, like whoever, whatever Power 5 school comes in and poaches you is going to have to pay a big number after year one. So I don't know what that number is. I know it's pretty substantial. I don't know what it is for Mark Pope at BYU. Um, But I do think there's a decent chance of either one of them. Like, I don't think, and this is just me speculating here. There's a lot of coaches. Like, I think Kalani would listen to the right offer, but it would take a lot for Kalani to turn his back on his alma mater. There's so much history there. His love for Lavelle and the history of BYU football. I think Kalani has a high degree of loyalty and just emotional investment into BYU. Not to say Mark Pope doesn't, but I also, you know, Mark Pope went to Kentucky. Mark Pope, like, you know, he's LDS, sure, but I don't think he looks at it as a church calling like a lot of other coaches do at BYU. And that's me speculating. I could be 100% wrong. I do think that a probably idea of being at a really high P5 blue blood program would be very appealing to Mark Pope. Um, Danny Sprinkle, um, after year one at Utah State, I think the one thing that would entice Danny Sprinkle to leave would not be because he doesn't like Utah State, is because he would like to see a program which where he's got NIL money that he can throw around and get crazy with. Because Utah State's still trying to get better in that regard. And the facts are, right now, if you don't have that NIL money, it's really hard to be competitive year in and year out. And this landscape of college basketball is really hard to navigate. Had it been five years ago, I would have said there's no way Danny Sprinkle's leaving after year one. Now, I don't know. And th- by the way, again, 100% speculation on my part. But I could see a good chance of both of them going somewhere at, at the end of this year. Okay, so I'll go to the Brian Dutcher experiment. Yeah. Because he makes a run to the NCAA finals. Yes. And comes back with San Diego State. Yes. Why? Money? Um, because he's paid well. And Is he a San Diego State guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been there forever. Uh, he was with, why am I spacing his name? The guy that was uh, the head coach of the Fab Five at Michigan. Um, he, no, no, the head coach at the time. Um, he was an assistant at Michigan with him. 
And then when that guy left to go to San Diego State in like 98, 99, Brian Dutcher went with him. So Brian Dutcher's been there for 25, 26 years now. Okay. so And so he's got a lot of ties there. So do you think San Diego State had to and, backed and, up a brink truck. Oh, they yeah. He's, the, he's, he's paid. Like finals. He's paid extremely well. They have really good NIL money. The infrastructure is great. And he can win there. He can recruit there. And he can win there. And so, you know, a lot of guys will say, okay, I can make. He's probably making $2 million a year. And I'm sure there's a team out there that would give him $3 million, But he's like, look, I know I can win here. I know I can, I can uh, do extremely well year in and year out. I'll win 20 games. The fan base will be happy. I'll probably go to the NCAA tournament three out of every four years. I, you know, I have a job for the rest of my life. I could, and they'll build a statue for me when I'm done. Steve Fisher, by the way, is the name of the coach. Just popped into my head. Um, or I could go to Texas Tech or Washington, and I could be fired in three years and be done. Now, granted, I'll make an extra million a year, but is it worth that? Or can I still make? tons of money live in san diego of all places and and when and i and i can run this program on my own terms nobody gives me any guff i set my own schedule i can recruit whoever i want i got good nil money i got all these other things going on i'm fine now if he was making seven hundred fifty thousand a year that might be a different story that really is what danny sprinkle could do it yes utah state yeah Utah State. He could make it three or four. I guarantee Easy. you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Here's what happened, needs to happen at Utah State. They need to be able to give him at least five to $600,000 a year in NIL money. Preferably seven hundred, but that might be asking too much. So if you're a Utah State fan, you need to be calling Gary Anderson and be donating to that Blue A Collective because he's going to need at least five to seven hundred thousand dollars a year to be competitive year in and year out in the mountain west conference um he's doing it with duct tape and bait link twine right now he can't do that year in and year out and then diana sabo and jerry bovey is going to have to go in and give him at least 1.5 1.6 million dollars a year hmm. and and a huge bump up in his assistant coaching pool and i might add they're going to need to charter more because that's the other thing too danny sprinkle on the coaches show uh, on monday brought up the fact that you know they gave him, I think, four or five charters. They used the majority of those in non-conference. And so they, uh, they're they doing most of their conference traveling without charter flights. So their charter flight. The Blue Bloods, they, they oh, yeah. charter. Well, like Boise charters every game. New Mexico charters every game. UNLV charters every game. Wow. And Probably there's, San Diego State now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure San Diego State does, too. And the other thing, too, you've got Mountain West schools right now, like UNLV and New Mexico, uh, that are spending over a million dollars in collective money just for basketball because they've looked at it from a standpoint of saying, okay, we could, we realize that we could give all this money to football, but is it really going to impact football at all? Probably not. But what we can do is go all in on basketball and be great because, you know, a million dollars spread out over 85 players doesn't go very far, but a million dollars spread over 15 players goes really far and we can be dramatically better so there's schools in the mountain west that have gone all in on basketball on nil and kind of said football eh, let's give the job to bronco and tell them to deal with it yeah would you say sprinkled among all those players you know what you have to do now hit car, the button car wreck it car wreck it <laughs> yeah car you wreck deserve it. that one and i don't want you i and now that i'm 
And now that you made a bad joke, don't turn me into a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. I don't. Yeah, you do. No, you deflect, right, yeah. You, you deflect by coming at my guy over here. Oh, yeah. All You're coming wrong. at my guy all wrong. Um, so, Scotty, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, because I've heard a lot of it, especially with Coach Pope and Coach Sprinkle, talking about the love for the fan base. And I, I want to make this pretty clear to people. They're, they're lo- I'm sure they're loving these environments. The student sections, and they see, man, when things are good here, things are amazing. But don't ever fool yourself as a fan base thinking, oh, he loves us so much he'll stay. Because every coach at some point has had a fan base turn against them. Oh, yeah. Yep. Coach Pope felt it last year. Oh, yeah. 100%. He heard it. He, he can see how quick it can turn. Man, he is the bell of the ball right now. But he knows in Big 12 play, if he doesn't have the money to recruit and the money to get NIL and the money to win, the second he doesn't win, he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Every coach I've ever talked to, Scotty, every college, football, basketball, everyone that I've ever talked to about this, they've had it. And they know, oh, yeah, no, we love the fans. And, yeah, I love playing here when things are good. But I also know that this isn't about them. Because the second I don't win for them, they're just as passionate the other way. Yeah. They like like they show up for me on a Saturday night when we're playing Boise State and we're winning and that energy, they'll take that same energy and they will turn it on its head and turn on me in a given moment. So yeah, I love the fan base when we're good, but I'm not staying for a fan base. Because I know that fan base could get real ugly real fast. Just like that. Just so like that. If I get my opportunity, I'm rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yep. I'll go to an arena that's empty that gives me a lot of money. Yep. Because then I've got less of a chance of that fan base actually turning against me. Because passionate fan bases turn against coaches. Even Stu Morrell talked about the fam, the the fans, the good, you know, and the good the, times, the, the good bad. times and the bad. Yeah. I mean, he pointed out. He's like, yeah, sometimes they're wrong. Well, and, and you're you're 100 right, and I even look at that as a player too, because you know you love the fans and you love when they cheer you. But at the end of the day, it is uh, like that old uh, Janet Jackson song. What have you done for me lately? Oh, you know, they like they will turn on you in a second. Fans have a memory of a fish. Yeah. When it comes to but coaches don't. Oh, this elephant. No, like they carry that. Like, memory oh, now. Forever. And then and then and then. Oh, now you love me. And, and by the way, some of them build some pretty horrendous blood towards fan bases. Yes. And they, you would never know it. Yep. Not in a million years. You'd never know it. But if there's a website that's built, said it's Fire Coach Olson, and that's a website that was built, and then I go on and I win a lot, I'll never forget that website that that fan base built. Yep. Yep. You'll remember that far more than somebody saying, oh, you're doing a great job. We love you. And then it almost becomes like, I'm going to win in spite of this. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you the middle finger on the way out. Whatever whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, these places to plant, the Marriott Center and the Spectrum, man, greatest in the country. It can also be the worst to coach for when things go bad for a minute. Mm-hmm. And fans can feel good about that, too, because they're like, yeah, well, we demand high-level play. And that's great, man. Demand it. You pay for the tickets, I'm all about it. But understand, coaches feel it. They know it. But I hope that both of them stay. 
You know, I, I think that a outright conference championship is more of a likelihood for Utah State than a conference tournament championship is for BYU, but both are in the cards. Yeah. By the way, check your phone. You got to see who's listening to the show right now. Oh. <laughs> Oops. We, we love you. We love you. Yeah. We love you. 1250 Hands and Scotty. We'll have the Jazz Preview Show beginning at 1 o'clock. Also, uh, uh, if you missed the Memento Kerr conversation, you'll hear that coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, Tim Lacombe will join us in the 2 o'clock hour. It's all straight ahead. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. We're in Big 12 country now. You know what's really relevant in the Big 12? College basketball. And if the local programs can step up to the competition level, man, we're in for college basketball being really relevant around here and hopefully to stay. And good for BYU for kicking in the door. I didn't think they'd beat Baylor in their first year. Baylor is a upper echelon program. And BYU's beaten Baylor in their first year. Hats off to that program for meeting the challenge. Khalif, obviously the big story with his best outing of the season and got BYU some easy baskets and then the other thing that BYU did very well is they won the math equation which is if you're going to let us hit 14 threes you're going to lose and that's a smart design from Mark Pope. There's a lot of good going down in Provo in the basketball department and got to give him credit. I 100% admit I was skeptical about it and what a year. Hear Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a great Thursday. Week's almost over. Hang in there. We're getting there. You know what's one week from today? Um, The NFL Combine. Oh, there we go. Can you believe that snuck up on us? Yeah, that has. Uh, no Utah State players invited this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just I, the 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 good players they have are coming back. Yeah, three hundred and twenty-one invites extended, three invites to BYU, six invites to the University of Utah. Ooh, here's that's your a good six. Number. Here's your six from Utah: Devon Vele, Keaton Bills, Saltal Lemaire, Jonah Ellis, Cole Bishop, and Sione Vaki. There's your six invites from Utah. Three invites from BYU, Keaton Slovis, one of only 14 quarterbacks invited to the NFL Combine this year. Wow. That surprises me a little bit. Uh, Yeah, it surprised me. And these are all based on NFL teams kind of put out a list of who they want to see. Yeah, there's interest in in these areas. Not good for him. Keaton Slovis, yeah, good for him. And I I hope he goes out there and kills it because he's a great kid. He's a great kid. I just think he's got some, some football limitations. But maybe, maybe he finds a fit. Keaton Slovis, Kingsley Somatea, and Ryan Rico, the punter. boy. Those are your three invites. Punters are people, too. He'll get drafted, I think. You do? I do. Like, I mean, not high, but I think. I, back, back down a ways. But I do think that you're seeing some NFL teams start to value the importance of having a guy that can flip the field. And that dude's got a rocket for a leg and can flip a field. 
It's looking like right now Kingsley will be the first off the board out of this group, but Jonah Ellis is going to be – Jonah Ellis and Cole Bishop would be right there in competition. Yeah. Rounds one through three. Jonah Ellis making the right decision. If he goes one through three, is it the right decision? Yeah. Because if he came back next year and duplicated the same numbers, would he be a first-round pick? No. So he's making the right no, decision. Because he's six one. Yeah. So he's got he's got height and he's got some mo- mobility limitations. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know what his um, arm length is. Because a lot of times you get six one guys that don't have a long reach, yeah. and, and they want they want those guys to be able to have that extension to with lever. their arms. And if he's got short arms, that might come back. I remember when the Broncos drafted Elvis Dumerville, and everybody's like, he's got short arms, he's got T Rex arms, and he's able to overcome that and have a really great career. But some guys don't. Yeah, some guys can't. But I, I hope that all of these guys just knock it out of the park. A couple things that. I always love to run by people when the NFL draft comes around. Um, there's typically about 24 players that don't get a combine invite that get drafted every year. So it's there's still a potential. You don't get the invite, you could still get drafted. And then it's about one-third of invites actually get drafted. So don't think just because they yeah. got a combine invite that they're a draft pick. It's it's about one third because because remember, there's 224 players drafted into the NFL. There's 321 players that just got invited to the combine. So we know right out of the gates, there's a huge fall off. There's just a number. It's 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 a shortage. So just because you got the combine invite doesn't mean you're going to get drafted. Because you didn't get the combine invite doesn't mean you're not going to get drafted. Yeah. But this definitely helps. It, it's an opportunity to really showcase your talents. It goes above and beyond what you are able to do in your own team's NFL workouts. Were you surprised when you didn't get yeah. an invite? I was. We all were. Chris Hoke was. Chris didn't get one? No. Really? September Nolly was. Wow. Um, we, we kind of all were. I wonder if in the, I wonder what the numbers of people invited are then as opposed to now. Like if it was now, it seems like there's more invites now than there was back in the day. It seems like that to me. And so I think if By it was quite a number, if but. you were wrapping up your career at BYU in 2023, I think you probably get invited. Probably, yeah, I would like to think so, but I didn't let it deter me. I, I didn't no let it get down on me. It, what I what I tried to do is use it as motivation to land a spot. Yeah. Which eventually I did. Which, you know, then that's what it's about. You know, you know, it's, it's landing the spot. That's that's where you start to make the money. Coming up next, uh, we'll transition into our jazz preview show. You'll hear from Mehmet Okur. Uh, we hope Craig Bullerjack's got a lot of uh, jazz plus commitments. I know with uh, the two th- early two thousand thing going on right now that. Uh, that AK's in town, Boozer's in town, Darren's in town, Memo's in town. So I know there's some some commitments that he has with that, uh, but we hope to be able to hear from him at some point. What we do know, though, is the great Tim Lacombe will join us coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. So we got a busy show talking some jazz basketball from 1 to 3 right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. 
Number one. Miss any part of the show? Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hanson Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, kicking off your one o'clock hour, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Every Thursday, we give you your jazz preview show where we kind of count you down to uh, upcoming games. Jazz finally wrapping up the all-star break and taking on Charlotte tonight, Hans. Hey, did you see this tweet that I put out? Did you used to play with these things? Oh, what are those? Muscle men? Yeah. When you were back in fifth, sixth, sixth grade? I sent this tweet out, and it's a picture of the muscle men. And guys that are our age, probably 40-ish to 50-ish, you'll remember these things. I had not seen them since I was in fifth or sixth grade, and this came across my Facebook, and I was like, what? And it's just a real throwback to better times. Yes. When you're sitting there at recess – and you're running some type of trading auction, uh, auction like, hey, I'll give you Blockhead and, and Mr. Arms for, you know, what, whatever their names were. Man, I miss those days. But it's kind of a fun throwback. You can go take a look at it. But you do remember these? Oh, I do you remember those. Absolutely, yeah. Do you remember what your favorite toy was when um, you were younger? Oh, Transformers. It was all By far. Oh, yeah, dude. I was a huge tra- I know you're a G.I. Joe guy. All G.I. Joe. But I was all about the Transformers. And that was back in the day, too, where they made them with, like, real metal. Like, like they put a lot oh, of... Oh, yeah. Those, those things... Those were high-quality toys. You had to put those in an industrial melter to damage them. They were hardcore. Lloyd, what was your favorite toy back in the day? Uh, He-Man and G.I. Joe. He-Man used to wreck the G.I. Joes. Really? So, he's too big. But they would combat each other? Yeah, they would combat you want to know how big of a football dork I am? And I was. And I played with G.I. Joes all the way through parts of eighth grade. So I went a little longer than some with my creative mind. But I, what I would do is I would I would set them up in 11-man football teams. Nice. And I'd run G.I. Joe football teams a, a lot between the Cobra Commander and Duke. and was Snake Eyes your uh, QB? Yeah, QB one uh, receiver okay. because I always felt like Snake Eyes. Oh, Snake Eyes would be a great slot receiver. Yeah, he, I always felt like he reminded me a little bit of Jerry Rice. So I was always like, yeah, like, yeah. he's going to be running my receiver, and I'd run him over the top, and and I bomb it over the top. Duke was typically my quarterback, and Cobra Commander or Destro was my quarterback on the other end, and I'd run full football games. I taped. <clears throat> what I'd do is I'd tape a, a little yarn around the bottom of their ankle to, to identify which team they played for well yeah because they're in the fatigue yeah. so that's hard to i'm not hating tell the difference there's Man. no there's no joking going on here i think I, that's cool as heck i loved playing my football games with my gi joe guys but anyways just yeah, a fun I, walk down memory see line. i don't think i'd have optimus prime as my quarterback he'd probably need to be on the o-line i'd probably have bumblebee as my quarterback he'd be a good read option guy oh, yeah. optimus prime's gotta be your qb right no he's too big He's a freaking semi truck. He can't be. He can't be a quarterback. Would you run him a D tackle then? Oh, he might be a good D tackle. Good three technique kind of guy. Bumblebee a QB. <laughs> Transformers were the real deal. Still, my favorite cartoon was Wildcats, though. 
Snarf. Yeah. <laughs> you just wanted me to go snarf. Yeah. Snarf. Yeah. Every time yep. I get that out of you. All right, Hans and Scotty, earlier today, Jake and Ben had a chance to catch up with jazz legend Mehmet Okur in town, and uh, he knows he gets nothing but love for jazz fans when he comes back to Salt Lake. I always feel, I mean, as soon as I step on the airport and uh, when I'm here, even starting from baggage claim to the hotel, to the arena, to on the street, try to get a coffee, like I feel that love from people and uh that kind of shows me especially my when i walk around with my kids and family when i get that still that love from fans they're like oh dad you must have done something good here kind of feeling you know i was like i guess i did it okay <laughs> so it kind of like uh get that love really really, really like, makes me feel great and it's always great to be back in town and uh connect with you guys and people and i feel so still I know this is such an obvious, like, kind of question about, you know, Utah jazz lore and you being a jazz player, but but what was it like playing for the great Jerry Sloan? A quick story about Jerry. I mean, and uh, I was free agent in 2004 after we won and beat Lakers in finals in Detroit, and uh, became free agent in uh, uh I was to sign a six-year six deal with Jazz. My first day here, as soon as I arrived at the airport, I get I get picked up and on my way to hotel. And everybody was talking about Jerry. You know, I knew I always knew Jerry was a great coach and great leader and great guy. But everybody started talking about like, "Are you in shape?" I was like, "I guess I am." I worked out and I played for a national team somewhere, and. Okay, that's fine. Let's <clears throat> go straight to the arena or practice side. And people ask me, are you in shape? I was like, this is like getting old. I'm in shape. I'm, I feel great. I worked out there, right? So day one, training camp, after first practice, I was not able to walk. <laughs> then they look at me like, we asked you that. So there's a between being in shape and just slow shape. Yeah. So I realized there that I have to be in shape every day. I have to be able to run every day. So we kind of like that's how we started. And uh, I think Jerry, for me, the best coach ever happened to me in my career. And uh, as far as like he was always a straight shooter, right? Nothing behind your back. I had some coaches done, you know, things behind my back. And uh, he told me that, hey, kid, if you don't get in shape, I can't start you. I can't play you. You better get in shape and come back, and then we go from there kind of feeling. That was like day one in training camp. So uh, kind of like uh, helped me through my career how to be professional, how to become like a better player, and on and off the floor, better person. So kind of like uh, like I said, it's, he was the best ever coach in my 20-year career. Well, Memo, you're back to celebrate the 2000s decade night for the Jazz tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Carlos Boozer back in town. Darren Williams back in town. We've seen those guys quite a bit. We've seen you a little bit. One player we haven't seen in a long time is Andre Karolinko. After he left the Jazz, we've not seen a lot of him. What's your relationship been like with Andre, and what was it like playing with him? We still keep in touch, keep in base with uh, also Darren and Boozer. I know they they close by. They're in state, and... Uh, and I get to see them and talk to them. And uh, for Andre, he, I'm sure you guys know that he is a president of Russian basketball. 
and he got involved all like basketball stuff over there like uh, months and years he was not able to make it over here because he was too busy doing that and plus this the war been going on for them he couldn't get out and kind of like he had to kind of like uh stay there make sure everybody's uh safe and okay and but it's we went out last night we we, we were able to catch up and uh and nice to see him, and uh, I'm sure the fans going to appreciate it because he's in town. It'll be a fun night. So when you see these modern bigs taking threes and making literally hundreds of millions of dollars, do you think, man, that was me. <laughs> that was ahead of my time. Well, I, I, I was one of those guys who started it. Yeah, you did, <laughs> me, absolutely. Rash, me, Rashid, and uh, probably Dirk was one of the first ones. And... Uh, so it's kind of like uh, that's actually, if I was in the league right now, it could have make a big difference, right? To look at the basketball they've been playing and they're playing right now nowadays. And everything is outside. Everything's become one-on-one. And uh, that's, uh, I kind of blame my father and my mom. They could have waited another 10 years. <laughs> and uh, so, well... We get the game now. It's kind of like perfect my, my game, right? So, yeah. and uh, we could make a lot of money. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Memo, you look back at your career with the Jazz. You know, you make the conference finals. You make an All Star team right before you join the Jazz. You win the title with that o three o four Pistons team. You've got game winners. You've got, you know, the two that you beat the Spurs when the Jazz hadn't beat the Spurs forever. You had the, the late game baskets there. Do you have a memory that sticks out? I mean, do you have a single moment that sticks out, or or does it all come together? Uh, I think that the, the, all the, the money man deals started with the San Antonio game. I had a put back, plus a couple of buzzer beaters and against Seattle. And... Uh, uh, there's so many, so many games I've played, uh, but being on the Western Conference Finals and uh, kind of like a, one of the signature memory for me, and uh, as far as individual goals and everything, I made, I broke a couple uh, three-point make uh, in the per year. I had that uh, record. Then I probably either Joe or Gordon broke that. And uh, took it took it away from me, but it's okay. I uh, also made the All Star team 2007. It was kind of like all all together. It's great memories, great times. All right, we remember a lot of made shots, big shots, all that. I want to ask you about two specific series against the Houston Rockets. We all know that you're so accomplished for your offense. I want to know what it was like when Jerry pulled you aside and said, "See that mountain over there named Yao Ming." We're going to need you to take him out of the series if you could. Now, I want to ask you about that because you had two great series and you guys won those in large part because of what you were able, were able to do against him. Well, I believe that was back-to-back years, yes, correct? Yes, right. And then uh, also, I think Houston had a home court advantage on us. Both times, I think, and, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, so the matchup was different. Yao Ming didn't want to guard me because I was outside, and Boozer was always involved with pick and rolls, and you know how great the, the finisher he was. And they, they kind of like the opposite matchup, which helped me, because uh, I was out there, because of the durable penetrations, Boozer, you know, kick outs and everything. 
and I was kind of free, and uh, I was able to make those shots at the end. But the thing for me was the kind of like guarding Yao Ming was, uh, I think, helped me as far as like defending how to defend like a bigger guys, taller guys. Kind of like I kind of like uh, got better doing that over the years. Then because I had to meet him early, not don't don't give him it to you know the the he's on space making t- over making the uh, shoot over tough shots over my hands and boxing up. I was the defending him was uh, really difficult for me, but we did hell of a job as a team and everybody helped each other. But on the other end, I was able to make those shots because the Darren is such a you know, his great IQ and a great passer, and uh, the teammates was able to find me, and uh, and it was a good series. Memo, uh, your NBA career ended 12 years ago. What have you been doing since? What What are you doing uh, currently? Uh, I was coaching and uh, Turkish national team about three or four years. Kind of, I got involved with uh, because we have kind of uh, good talents there. Generation is coming, and I tried to help them. And uh, I was be- I've been doing that. I was still live in San Diego, kind of like an Uber driver, no tips. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I'm sure you I'm sure you feel me on that. And uh, <laughs> uh, just playing golf, work out, take the kids tournaments and practices every day, something right. So uh, kind of like easy life, the life. I've been dreaming to do so. That's what I'm doing, enjoying my life and family. There he is, Mehmet Kerr with Jake and Ben earlier today right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I love that Mehmet's out there taking credit for being the innovator of the big man stretch. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those guys. Good for him. Man, he would be so good in today's game. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, Mehmet Kerr. It, on a scale of one to ten, wh- where would you put his passing? Uh, six, six point five. Because I, I'm looking at some of these slow movers. I'm looking at some of these big guys. We were talking about one in Ali Khalifa, the big man playing for BYU right now, and some of his movement reminds me of Mehmet Okur's movement. And by the way, I was reading about Ali Khalifa, and and I didn't really see him as an NBA guy, but he's getting he's NBA getting noise. Love. Yep, there's some NBA stir about Khalifa right now. And when I watch him, like you remember that long drawn out Mehmet Okur first step? Yeah, it was like oh, it was lengthy and long, and then his step back was so slow and deliberate. His his release, his jump off his release wasn't exactly snappy, but it was accurate. And I was like, man, well, you know, he is a bit of the innovator. He, in today's game, he would be very useful. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was, uh, he was born a l- about fifteen years too early, because he would fit right in in the NBA right now. Oh yeah. Yep. All right, one twenty-five. Hands and Scotty, ninety-seven five. The KSL Sports Zone. Uh, Craig Buller Jack will join us at uh, one thirty, right here on ninety-seven five. The KSL Sports Zone. 
This is this is DJ and PK. Nick Robinson, assistant basketball coach at BYU. Obviously, you tried to educate yourself on the Big 12 and prepare as coaching staff for this move, but you can't know everything. What's the biggest surprise been? You know, I think the biggest surprise is what we were told, but you can't really know until you experience it, that the Big 12 is a gauntlet. Every single night is a physical battle. It's very, very high-level coaching. It's very high-level individual players. It's very high-level teams. We understood that, but we had not experienced Experienced it, and now we're with 13 games in and have a better sense of what that is and what it means to be in the middle of the gauntlet. And we're uh, super excited about the next game. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. a highway man along the coach roads I did ride with sword and pistol by my side many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone Jazz Preview Show. Expected to hear from Craig Bullerjack here momentarily. I have not got this approval from Kevin Eubank, but I do want to read you some uh, weather news. Okay. So, preliminary estimates show that we've received 13.18 inches of liquid this month at Alta Collins. So, up in Alta. All right. This month, 13 inches. That's, that's That seems like a lot. That would be a February record since record-keeping began at that site in 1980. Wow. It beat last year's uh, moisture at Alta Collins. They're, 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 and remember, last year, March is when things really kicked up and got yeah. crazy with the moisture up in the mountains. So we've got another storm that's coming in after this weekend. I think, what is it, Monday, Tuesday? Or Tuesday, Wednesday, there's another storm that's rolling in. But we're supposed to keep on this moisture train. And right now, Scotty, across the board, we are in the positives in our average numbers across the entire state. How Um, how about this coming in from Deer Valley? Um, in February, Deer Valley has received 9.6 feet of snow. That's 115.5 inches. Only three days in February has Deer Valley not reported any new snow. It's an average of 5.25 inches per day. That's crazy. That's by Park City, right? Uh, that's Yeah, Deer Valley, Park City. Yeah. I think that's where Malcolm Merlin had his cabin, was in Deer Valley. I think it's kind of the ritzy place of uh, okay. part of Park City. But... We are above average in every category from the Bear area to Weber Ogden area to the northeastern Uintas to Deschain, uh down at Alaska, uh, Escalante. We've got moisture abound. And what's crazy is I go up to hit the ice fishing at all these different reservoirs. Yeah. There's nowhere to put it. These, go look at Deer Creek right now. Deer Creek's as high as I've ever seen it. And it's not iced, which is really strange. 
There's no ice on Deer Creek, and it's as high as you've ever seen it. Yeah. And so you're looking at all of this water capping off, and you're like, okay, so now what? <laughs> well, there's a lot of moisture coming down. Well, you know, the thing is, this is this is my perfect winter. I've loved this winter because we're getting relatively warm temperatures and rain here in the valley, but yet we're getting bombed with snow up in the mountains. So that's nice. makes makes it easy on me. Okay, so your elevation isn't getting hit as much. Though? Uh, we had like a, I want to say we had two inches last night. We had a little bit of snow last night, how but many, for the how? most part, it melts off during the day. Like it has, we haven't had that huge storm where I got. You know, the snowblower out at 5 a.m. trying to get our kids to school and stuff like that. It's been a relatively mild winter in terms of people in the valley and even on the benches. But up in the mountains, we're getting all the good snow. So, you know what? Win-win. I'm, I'm down. How many times have you gotten your snowblower out? Well, I'll say maybe three times. That's how many times I've scraped. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't been much at all. I've scraped my walks three times. I mean, I went and bought a Lloyd Cole-endorsed snowblower a couple of years ago, and I've not been able to use it the way that well the plug-in just wasn't working you hanging on to that monstrosity lloyd of course but it's but i've only sitting... used it like once today this year it's only it, once you only used it one time it's only been like one time yeah that's crazy man we're february was a wild moisture season yeah. for us here so i look at the reservoirs but from what i understand they'll just release reservoirs down to the great salt lake or down into utah lake but there's a part of me that looks at the Utah Lake area, and I, and I, I, I know you haven't been out that like to that north end of Utah Lake. No. So when I first moved out to Utah County in that Saratoga Springs area, that north end of Utah Lake was all just marsh. It was cattails, deep mud, marsh. It's where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints used to have one of their summer camps and there used to be cotillions and all these things at the, the end of that, that lake. But the soil and in, in, in the area was always overrun by marsh. That is all condos now. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it's all townhouses, oh, all boy. condos, all tilt-ups. It's, it's all kinds of of industrial builds and it's like man if we had three or four of these winters hit us and we had to release that moisture down into utah lake those guys are in trouble oh they're, they're in trouble hey uh while we wait while we wait on bowler uh somebody wants to chime in on this oh uh long time listener and also longtime caller k bank joins us oh no you're in trouble <laughs> i'm just you guys are so hey listen i've never ever ever talked sports during my weathercast i have enough respect for you and what you do to allow the space so i tune in i listen all the time and i'm thinking dude who's giving the weather report who's talking about alta's moisture content february year to date record stuff and lo and behold it's my friend who's talking about it. I'm so, I'm and I'm to my like, stomach. wait a minute, I want to talk jazz. I want to talk utes. I want to talk cougars. And we're, what? What? <laughs> it's all we out We got of, outside our lane. It's all out of admiration and a bit of fear, K-Bank, because I don't know what we're going to do with all this water. I, I, you know, and honestly, Kevin, he did start the conversation. I don't know if you heard He's like, you know, I am stepping on Kevin's toes here a little bit. Oh, no. Oh, oh I heard that. And I'm, I'm not, you're not stepping on my toes. 
I just feel for your viewers and listeners. I, I feel I, I feel like they didn't come here to get a weather report. They didn't come here to hear Hans's affinity and attraction to water and climate. I don't know where it comes from. And I'm a weather guy. It's a little unnatural. Let's just be honest. He does love his weather. This is true. This is true. It's a little, it's a little uh, weird to me. I don't know where it comes from. But I, all the same, I just want you to know I love you and I really appreciate it. But if your listeners actually want to hear what's happening, tune in tonight, 5, 6, and 10. We'll give them the whole rundown. Well, and by the way, I don't miss it. I mean, I just watched your whole weather cast last night and the storm that's coming in. And I saw that you gave a, uh, was it a, it was a 10 or was it a 30 day uh, precipitation total? Like I, I watch every night. I am tuned in. That was on the other channel, but you're really nice. Thank you. (laughs) I, I know when it's my K bank (laughs) and I don't wander. I don't have water and eyes for my weather reports. Okay, that's now that's creepy. You go, <laughs> go talk to Bowler. I'm going to listen. This has been fun. Uh, we love you. You're the best, Thank K-Bank. You. Appreciate it. Chief meteorologist, the man, Kevin Eubank. I, do I have a kind of an unnatural obsession with it? Uh, just, just a bit. Why is moisture, like, always on my mind? Craig Bowler, Jack's going to join us next. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. We're in Big 12 country now. You know what's really relevant in the Big 12? College basketball. And if the local programs can step up to the competition level, man, we're in for college basketball being really relevant around here and hopefully to stay. And good for BYU for kicking in the door. I didn't think they'd beat Baylor in their first year. Baylor is a upper echelon program. And BYU's beating Baylor in their first year. Hats off to that program for meeting the challenge. Khalif, obviously the big story with his best outing of the season and got BYU some easy baskets and then the other thing that BYU did very well is they won the math equation which is if you're going to let us hit 14 threes you're going to lose and that's a smart design from Mark Pope there's a lot of good going down in Provo in the basketball department and got to give him credit I 100% admit I was skeptical about it and what a year here Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Time to hear from the great Craig Bowler, Jack. Bowler joins us now. Bowler, how are you? Hey, Bowler. Scotty, Hans, how are you? Yeah, better now. Well, got got myself in a little bit of a bind. We we uh, I, I started talking weather, and Kevin Eubank called in and gave Ooh. me a, gave me a tongue lashing, and I I kind of deserved it. But I, man, I'm just so consumed by our state's moisture that I can't get away from these climate updates. It's, it's crazy bowler. Well, what is it? They call it the, um, Oh, what is it? Uh, the, uh, stream or the, uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, the atmospheric river. What, what you say it all the time. Atmospheric, Scott. atmospheric river. Yes. Yes. 
What were the terms you say? Uh, I I don't remember Something, that. Bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I love these so meteorologists, Kevin, man. Kevin, they I think they sit around oh. like, what kind of crazy thing can we come up with? Atmospheric yeah, river. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a they've got their own dictionary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Kev. You know, I've been around a long time, and he let me wear his white jacket one time, which you know really put me over the top. But that's. Uh, that was a that was a crazy thing, and they came in and got mad and took it off me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we hands hands found out you don't want to you don't want to get on the wrong side of Kevin Eubank. No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a profession, but look, you know, it's always like, why why did it snow last night, Kev? Well, you know, it was the uh, the, the, the the lake effect. Okay, uh, okay. Hey, if I, if I get it. If Kevin Eubank, if he's got any chops, he'll let me come in and do fat guy in a little coat in his white suit during one of I his. I think it ought to happen, man. I think it ought to happen. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know? That yeah. would be awesome. Put on and the then, white coat. And just flex and just tear that thing in half like your Hulk Hogan. Flex. Just... Yeah. Hey, flex Kevin. It, and that back, that back just rips right open. Yep. Yeah. Fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> fat guy in a little coat. And just tear his white coat. Uh, Bowler, all-star break, finally in the rearview mirror. Um, yeah. How, how have the last few days been for you to kind of uh, re- good. reintroduce yourself to Sharon and the family? Yes. Uh, who am I? Thank you. Saying, you know, I, I know my bed. Um, you know, it was needed for everybody. I think the mental part, I feel, you know, I feel a little more mentally um, refreshed, I think is the good word. 26 to play. Uh, you know, let's see what, you know, Will and Justin and Danny are going to try to accomplish two and a half games out of a play-in. I know Danny said at the end, beginning of the season, look, a playoff spot would be a nice, uh, another, you know, uh, level to climb into. If it doesn't happen, then so be it. Uh, there's no preconceived outcome of this season, which I thought was important for Justin to talk about. You know, just go play. And I think they just want to see how each of these players respond uh, over this last seven weeks. Uh, it's the fourth most difficult finishing schedule in the league, especially after about March 9th. We're talking about that at shoot around this morning. The next seven games, there's winnable games. So you could help yourself build some confidence before you jump into the frying pan, so to speak. But yeah, the Jazz will be tested. I mean, what else is new in this league? And I think you want to see what Taylor Hendricks is. Uh, you should get a pretty good taste of his skill set after 26 games. He's final 26. We kind of get to know. We know what Keontae is, and also can Walker continue to grow, get stronger, a little, you know, maybe develop a, a little bit more of a rebounding. Let's grab with grab it with, you know, with gusto, attitude, and you know, Chris Dunn and Colin Sexton. How's the backcourt uh, and the backup with Dunn now coming off the bench? So there's a lot of questions, and I hope uh, the fan base continues to be dialed in. A lot of draft picks. I think of the busy guys in the off season. Don't I mean? It only only sounds with, you know, a bucket full of first-round picks, I think 14, 15 at last count, and very active in free agency, and at least money, I should say, available. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see the next in the offseason plus what, what they want to see in the next 26 games. So I go through waves of concern on different areas for the Utah Jazz, and right now my full concern is Larry Markkinen, his happiness and his uh-huh. willingness to resign and be with the Utah Jazz long-term and – I'm looking at Golden State and the Lakers. I think they're both desperate with their payouts and some of their aging veterans that they are going to push and force to make the postseason. So I'm not expecting Utah at this point after selling at the trade deadline to make it. 
So my question to Scotty was, how long can the Utah Jazz keep Lowry Markinen happy at this pace before Bowler? It's almost like their hand is is forced because they're gonna. It's gonna be max. It's gonna be a lot of money at some point. He's not gonna be making less than John Collins and Colin Sexton. It's yeah. it, it's going to get expensive. But how long can they keep him happy? Are, are you seeing any signs of Lowry Markinen feeling like I, this isn't what I signed up for? I don't sense that yet. I think this off season will be critical hands. It's a great question because he is right now, uh, you know, an all-star of a year ago. I thought he should have been there this year, but just missed out and most improved a year ago. Uh, but that's a great question. Keeping high level players uh, who are reaching that star status uh, you know, on a consistent basis, by the way, and are, is he in the loop? I say yes. I, I, I don't think he could not be in what is going on and what the plan is. Uh, the plan is obviously Justin and Danny's and probably marketing and, and Will Hardy all in on that conversation of next steps. But you bring up a great question. Uh, we see players who get disgruntled and say it's time to move on. Uh, the plan isn't what they thought, but I think the plan is in place. I think marketing is most likely, I can't say for sure, but I'm guessing with his status on this team and his importance hands that he has to be in the loop to understand. Now, are all players motivated by money? Yeah, it's it's good to be paid. It's It kind of tells the rest of the league who you are and the status that you bring. So the Jazz cleared out some cat space with expiring contracts and Kelly Olenek, obviously, uh, and that gives them room to work. And I think that's probably the most important thing that marketing sees. Um, what they do is, is, is just a wait and see game. But uh, I, I think, again, I go back to what Ryan wanted to do early when he took um, the stewardship from the Millers ownership stewardship is look, let's, let's make this happen sooner than later. I don't think this is a, this is more of a fast track approach than it is slow. And they have to see hands who they have. Is the ninth pick, Taylor Hendricks, really what they thought or hope he can be? I think we got a really good feel of what Keontae can be. He's coming off 33 and had a nine three-point performance against Golden State just before the All-Star break. And is he breaking out into what they thought he would be? And I think the, the answer is yes. But still, work to be done. And that's what intrigues me the most. Is Sinzabal going to get a look? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think those questions are going to be slowly answered game by game starting tonight uh, against Charlotte, who, by the way, rebuilt rebuilt their team in a pretty quick hurry, moving uh, Hayward and P.J. Washington uh, just before the trade deadline. So this is going to be a totally different Charlotte team than we saw a couple of months ago uh, or even a month ago. And then you get San Antonio Sunday, and then you go on to Atlanta, Orlando, and Miami. So I think, yeah, we're going to get a feel for what direction – they're going, and also check the body language hands. You know this, and Scotty. I mean, you can see uh, in defeats, winning's easy, and and you're always feeling good. But how do you work through the losses, and you can do you, do you continue to play uh, inspired basketball? That's all Will Hardy, I think, wants and to play defense. And can I throw this in? Trim down turnovers. That's a real big key if the Jazz want uh, some success in these final 26. How difficult has this been for Will Hardy, who is not going to complain, and he's probably not even going to say anything privately, but, you know, he had a team last year that was winning games on a pretty good clip. It got dismantled at the trade deadline. 
Then this year, again, you know, he's got another team he's working with, and then it gets remade a little bit. Once again, maybe not yeah. as dramatically as it was last year at trade deadline. But I got to imagine, I mean, that's, you know, look, there's the, the guy has essentially coached four different teams in about yeah. a year and a half. I mean, that's that's certainly not easy on a coach. No, no. I thought he looked tired before the All-Star break, and who wouldn't be? I mean, he's had to kind of go back after the trade deadline for those three games four games, uh, almost like opening camp again. Uh, new faces, uh, you lose Olenek, who you played through. He was another facilitator, by the way, so you lose him, and you lose uh, maybe a wing defender in Ochai, who they were trying to bring along on the offensive side as well. And then Fontecchio was a starter and could shoot the three and maybe was a better defender than people thought, Six seven, you know, had a long wingspan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a five-year deal. Um, so I think security is okay. Oh yeah. So he's heading, he's heading in Scotty and hands into his third season, uh, in about two months, you know? So that means after, if, if they make the playoffs, it'll be a, a, another step in the, in the right direction. Some would say no bowler look, but this draft doesn't really give a lot of high level talent, talent, at least on paper or at least in hype. The last two seasons. Yes. This season, not so much. So the plan, they have draft picks. I mean, Will has to be in the loop. So he has to know what's to come. Uh, look, he's always said, look, they pay me to coach the players, Danny and Justin, give me. And I think every coach I've always talked to, that's always been the, the great direct response. But they're still in the loop of what the team is doing, going to do moving forward. Uh, you can't control all the buttons and, and – uh, you know, strings, but uh, he's a young, talented guy, huge respect around the league, uh, and the players love playing for him from everything I've seen, and I just think he's just trying to wait it out too. He's learning as they go, and he's only going to be a better coach when the Jazz actually decide all the foundation pieces and how they continue to move forward. But is it easy on him? No. Does he get it? Yeah. I think I think working with Pop for those nine years – had to kind of give him a little bit of, you know, mortar in those bones, man. I think he understands how difficult it is to win and what it takes to build a championship team because he was around it and a coach in Greg Popovich who was part of that, you know, part of the architecture, not all of it. But the players he got, man, Ginobili, Parker, Duncan, Robinson. I mean, good grief. Look at the players that came through. They're all Hall of Famers. And, Hopefully, you know, Will will get his turn. Before we let you go, uh, one of the reasons why we got you a little bit later on uh, in the show today is the Jazz are honoring a lot of these former players, the early 2000 team, Boozer, yeah. AK, Memo, who was on with uh, Jake and Ben earlier today. Uh, really some cool stuff. And this is this is your era of uh, play-by-play uh for, for the Jazz, just how cool is it to see these guys back in town and how cool is this right. going to be to honor these guys and, and those teams that, frankly, had it not been for the Lakers and Kobe and, and uh, you know, Lamar Odom and, and Powell and, and those teams probably would have been right there for a chance to win an NBA title. Yeah. No, I was just up in Bountiful and they, the Jazz had a luncheon for season ticket holders and Memo. And AK, uh, I, I was kind of like the moderator of this Q&A session. We had more fun. Uh, Money Man is, is what you always think. I mean, he is just loves to be a jazz man and come back. And AK, 
coming over from Russia. He's head of the Russian Federation of Basketball, the president. And it was so good to see them both. And I'll tell you, Quincy Lewis, I just have to give a shout-out, former jazz player uh, who they brought in to help re-energize um, the, gosh, man, just the foundation pieces, the alumni who have come through this franchise and to bring them back during the 50 years of jazz basketball, the celebration of. And I'm so glad that Memo and, and AK and D-Will and Boozer will have a Q&A session tomorrow in Park City uh, with those two. Can't wait. And they're all four will be at the game tonight. And on the on the Jazz Plus side, the alt cast with Big T, Mike Smith's going to join me in the booth tonight. And Big T's going to host these guys watching the game and reminisce about what was and what could be. Memo said today to me and AK, they thought they could play six minutes each. So that, that would equal 12 minutes of basketball. I thought it was – crowd just went crazy on that, you know. So uh, they have personality. And I, I don't think you can ever go away – from those pieces that made the franchise what it is today. Some want to say, well, that's in the past. No, you have to embrace the past to move forward. And I'm, I'm really glad the Jazz are doing that. And uh, we'll see all four of those uh, players on the floor tonight. Uh, Memo, AK, uh, D. Will and Booz. Be fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bowler, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us. But sorry for the late call. No, you're uh, all good. I appreciate Lloyd. Lloyd. Lloyd's on me like a hound, man. I love it. So, uh, Lloyd, thanks, pal. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, it's fun until it happens every day, and then he yells at you. And <laughs> his, gets like, uh, his new nickname's The Grinder. It's ooh, it's kind of starting to get around the office yeah, a little bit. Like a pepper grinder? Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. Just, He'll turn you to dust. Oh, yeah, in down. a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Bowler. Have a great okay. call. See you, Bowler. Talk soon, guys. See you. There he is, the great Craig Bullerjack right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We go from one legend to another. Tim Lacombe will join us next, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I know this baby's about to be out ya, but I was listening to a little in ya. Is that a Rudy Gobert reference? Uh, did you pick Enya? I did. I, there, was a, there was a purpose to Enya, isn't there, Lloyd? Yes, there is. Um, first of all, you, the guy that said that, was that you? That yeah. made that little yeah. quip? That, it, that sounds like the dude that does the spa trouvé ads. <laughs> <laughs> like when you say, oh, I'm a guy. And she's like, uh-huh. That you know good. I'm a guy, right? You know I'm a guy, She's right? like, yeah. yeah. That was a, yeah. I, I chuckle every time I hear that because I'm like, that... That pesky hands, man. <laughs> uh, no, Enya. Oh, so real quick, uh, Lloyd. I called Lloyd just to coordinate where everybody was today. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife, if she was in charge of this, would have it figured out a week ago. But called this morning. Hey, are they on remote? Or are they in studio? And my schedule coordinated with being in studio, so it was cool. I'm Fantastic. here. Um, but we got on this side conversation about life and running around. I told him, man, I'm tired. And he told me, he's the dude the other day. He kind of gave me some wisdom. He, he had a little memory pull up of his kids uh, a couple years ago. And he said, Coach, we got to make time for the most important stuff. Right? Yeah. So then I said, you know, the other night I was laying on my couch and Enya was on. I used to listen to Enya on my mission trip. I love Enya. Yeah, that was always okay. Trip? Oh, yeah, I did the mission you trip. Didn't. I didn't. 
No, but yeah, that was always on the. Uh, was seek and destroy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in was, a lot of different ways. I was hurting people. Lavelle yeah. was like, you know, you could, or you could stay here and be an ambassador for the church. Right, and then playing after the football. Fir- after the first year I was there, Lavelle's like, now it might be better if you do go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, no, the stuff you were causing on campus. Yeah. Sure, a little bit, and then come back to me. Yeah, Enya was always on the so, approved list with us. Yeah, too. exactly. So I was laying down, I was listening to it, and, and I swear to you, it took me right back to my little apartment in Newport. Rhode Island. I had tears rolling down my face. You know, oh, you're back there. Kid. I love Newport. Oh, I love it too. But I, it was a tough place to be a missionary. Oh, I bet. Uh, in June, you know, I was down there trying to street contact gals in bikinis and roller skates, and I was more interested in the, the roller skates. <laughs> they're, than the, they're converting you the, the other way. Right. I was like, flirt, well, to, flirt to convert. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, my, I guess my long-winded story is Lloyd and I short, shared a moment today. I told him it's kind of that's the marrow of life. Those little, but I told him for you to write to recognize. From looking at that picture, uh, you know, we miss stuff if we're not present. And, and my guy Lloyd's a good dad. You know, he's, he's always evaluating himself. So it's, we just had a nice conversation. I thought I'd share because there's probably a lot of people who need to hear that. Oh, for sure. The, for sure. The better parts of life. They are. It's the marrow. But sometimes you, you talk like you're in your 60s. And you've got a lot of, lot of life to go. I mean, you're, you're, you're a young buck still. Coach. Yeah, dude, I feel, I don't know, man. It's... I can see you getting the bug and being like, yeah, I'm going to go back and coach again. Oh, no, no, no. No. <laughs> well, we can put a bet on that one. <laughs> we can put a bet on that one. That's not now, happening. Now, I will say if somebody wants me to come sit on their bench to try to improve the morale. Morale or, you know, just a people guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I would I would maybe do that for a year. Is there anything go. you miss about coaching? I know it's not recruiting. <laughs> I miss the team. Yeah. You know, I try to get that at work, um, but the problem with work, there's limits to to the intensity you can have, unless you're with Hans. I'm so glad you didn't squeeze me so hard today when you hugged me. Have I squeezed you in the past? Um, I, t- I tend to be thank more you. gentle. I, have I squeezed you in the past? Oh, you've killed me. Like I, I went ahead, one day I had to go to the Cairo afterwards. Are you being serious? Yeah, I'll send you the bill. You I really did. Did I jack you up like that? Do you read for any chiropractors? You got <laughs> no, I don't. For me? I don't. I do want some Brotox. <laughs> you listen way too That's much, man. You guys are telling you. I love listening to you guys. That's the point in life that we're at is you um, need a little Brotox. So between the time I saw you last, uh, but I miss team, so that, that was the answer. But between the time I saw you guys last, I got to do a game with Scotty. Oh, man, that was so much fun. So fun. And oh, I, yeah. I got a video on my phone when they were, before the team came out, they were playing Ozzy, and I did like a 360. Yeah. Oof. Lloyd, nice. Lloyd and I were behind you staring at the back of your head. Did you know Lloyd and I were at that game? Yeah, I would have thought you'd maybe take That's what 14 I steps down and say, Yeah, hey, I thought that guys would hang out with us. I'm like, hey, let's let's all get the picture with the four of us after the game. But these guys, like, bolted like three see, minutes I left mean, in the game. I mean, after a loss, you'd bolt. I turned to Lloyd and I said, no chance we are going to interrupt that magic that's going on there. No, th- there was there was a, a love building. Oh, and I a love building between the two. So excluded because Scotty's my guy, and it's like these he's bound to me. I mean, we, it's not that we're legally bound, but we're bound. Not, yeah, I don't want to get a rumor started. <laughs> <laughs> and to watch him sitting there just laughing, he kept throwing his head back. <laughs> and you know, I could see that you were. Hey, I wish. I could replicate what you and Rubes have. (laughs) I don't know. You came in on Monday, and it was just like Uh, there was a look on your face that we've never seen before. We didn't see your feet touch the ground. 
You were levitating. <laughs> you talking about me or hands? No, uh, you. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about hands after a trip to Stillwater with Greg Rubel. Oh, that's that was a fun trip. I busted that pinata. Yeah, I know. That was a fun trip. But uh, if you were to jump back into coaching, would you rather professional or collegiate? Again, I I don't want to coach anymore, but I I, I think there would be I would actually be more interested on building a team in the you know helping build a team in the pros evaluation scouting stuff yeah. like that. Um, college, college is fun, uh, but I still the craziest thing I saw two people last night from I coached Lone Peak. We we, we won a state championship in two thousand one, two thousand two thousand one um, with the great Sam Burgess, Taylor Risher. Chase Palmer ran into Chase's parents the other night, last night at a Timbu game. And again, you talk about how fast time goes. They're watching their grandson, this guy that played for me's kid. Okay. That's how far back the relationship goes. But I told them last night, I've got four rings from my time coaching in all the years. Um, and they're league title rings, three of them, and then state championship ring uh, from Lone Peak. And like in a vacuum, that was the high school one was the coolest. I that got paid the, the least. Yeah, but that was. But the, it was so community. And, would you go back yeah. and coach high school? Um, I don't know. Maybe if I got bored, you know, a long time from now. Yeah. But I've always believed I'm going to die young, so <laughs> I don't know. You and I both. I do. I told I, you, 55. I'm out. Well, that would give me two years, homie. And I told you today I'm having heart palpitations. <laughs> maybe maybe you and I are on the same. Uh, don't hey, you got three dudes that'll that'll give you compressions and mouth to mouth. Yeah, I know. So I know. I love we'll, you, boys. We'll get you back. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you back. It doesn't matter. Part of don't yet. you leave us, coach? <laughs> part don't of the reason I don't want to do any of that is for that reason because <laughs> it, it all ties back to I've got time now. I'm still filling it crazily. I need to figure that out. Yeah. But um, you know, beyond that, life's pretty good. Well. You're the best, and we love hanging out with you and love that you're part of the show on Thursdays. And now the All-Star break's over. Uh, you've had a few days to decompress a little bit and uh, get back at it because the Jazz uh, technically still alive in terms of, you know, playoffs and play-in, but I don't know. Where's your where's your confidence level that that might still be in play? Well, I think it, I think it honestly becomes there's 1A and 1B, okay? And I think 1A... The organization decided to make a move that, that would emphasize 1A, and that's to play your, your young guys and really evaluate them in a good stretch of the year. And then the other piece of it, to have a couple roster spots open, which really paid dividends last year. And I think that Danny is a master of knowing where every player is across the continents. Uh, I mean, he just has such a good feel and rapport with people over and I think about my time and the number of people I can call and they'll answer the phone just because we came up together. You know, like Tommy Lloyd at Arizona this week, I text him because I saw the thing come across the wire. He just got a extension. Yeah. A nice and he's making over $5 million a year, which is a lot more than he and I were making as assistants. Um, and so I sent him a text and he did not reply the first day. So I texted him back and I said, oh, is there like a threshold now? You, you get over a certain threshold and you don't have to tweet or text the, your, your old friends back. And he sent what, me a, a What was text. that threshold? Two million, Coach? What was it? Oh, you know, like, yeah. So <laughs> believe me, it's far past. The, 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 
as they say on the golf course, there's a super Walmart between his ball and mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the 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 point is, I sent him a text. I said, "Hey, man, you gotta, you know, good luck." And he said, "I I actually have been trying to take applications for people to text people back for congratulating me about my extension." Um, you know, to say that obviously it's been nuts, but, um, but we all have access to so many people through the years and Danny's got that plus he's Danny Ainge, right? He's not just some mongrel that snuck in the back door like myself. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that could have, I mean, he could run the league if he wanted to. Um, the respect factor across the league for him is as good as I've seen anyone like players. I go early watch and, you know, the first time I noticed it, it was Phoenix and Chris Paul, like literally almost dead sprinted from one side of the court to the other to hug him. Wow. You know, it's through the relationships he maintains, the respect he has as kind of the godfather of the league in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a real thing. And so back to those spots, I think you can fill that. You can run guys. You can test guys, interview guys, see what they're all about. Um, but take some chances on guys with very, very little risk. So that's 1A. 1B is, you know, can this now new iteration of the jazz with young players playing a crucial role can they take the step now to get to the play-in because with the veterans you know the play-in was kind of like the minimum but now all of a sudden with these young guys playing and having to refigure it out there is this almost like a carrot now you know if they make the playoffs so i think it's uh I think it's kind of cool the way it's structured. I'm excited to watch it play out. That was long-winded, but no, you get my that It makes total sense. I, I like the idea of it being a carrot for the young guys, you know, just that, that 10 spot. I don't think it's attainable because I think that the Lakers and Golden State are desperate. Agreed. I, I think that and they're they, veteran. And they're veteran. And I think they're going to make a 25-game push here at the back end of this thing to do everything they can because the amount of money that's spent. I was talking about their dis- <clears throat> the disparity between – Golden State's current spending and the Utah Jazz. Golden State's at two hundred and four million. The Utah Jazz at one hundred and thirty-two million. And so there's there's just a difference of of press. And then you look at how many years you got left with Steph, or how many years you got left with LeBron. So I I, I like your your thought of man. There's there's a carrot there though. Well, then you one just thing, get to that ten seed. That's a huge accomplishment. One thing to think about with what you just said with payroll, right? Everybody's got the same amount they can spend. If you look at it like right now, Golden State and the Lakers are they're fully in the market, you know, to draw a parallel. The Jazz assets, they've got a bunch. They're trying to figure out where to place them. Yeah. Um, so it's two organizations. That's what a rebuild looks like. You pull all your assets off, you know, the board, you reallocate, you put them back. And that's the phase the Jazz are in. Uh, it's been fascinating, honestly, f- to watch it from the first step. You know, I was with. I was doing this the year prior, a couple of years prior. Scotty, you got me go, got me going. Um, but to watch it from the studs, they tore it down, and now to watch it kind of go back up, and you're like, oh, okay, I can see what they're doing here. It's neat, you know, from a, from a basketball perspective. Well, it's going to be fun, hopefully, in two or three years when this team's, you know, battling as a top-four team in the Western Conference to look back and say, okay, well, this happened here, this happened here, and, and you see the path of trajectory in which the Jazz are on right now, and... And you, you certainly hope that it leads to something like that. And I think that with Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck and Ryan Smith, that there's a good triumphant of people there that are smart guys that know how to get things done. And hopefully the Jazz are on that path right now. I feel like it. I really do. And I do trust the guys that are that are driving the boat. I feel like they're certainly licensed and experienced and been through just about everything you can go through. Um, I think the, the thing that 
I would almost say, and almost as a challenge for fans, as Scotty, you said, you know, in a couple of years it could be fun. Make it fun right now. And this is how. Look at it like, you know, look at it like, you know, you can't expect a team that did what they did to do any better than they've done. I really, I believe they've exceeded expectation. And I think Will Hardy has shown over a two-year period of time that he is elite. And I'm talking to like, every single challenge they've thrown at him. Okay, you can win with those guys, but how about, you know, try yeah. this one, yeah. right? And try this, try this. And and I, the one thing that has come true is in every piece, every little sliver of team, he's taken them on a very long winning streak and had them really firing on all cylinders. I've been spending a lot of time on Larry marketing this today, Coach. I don't know if you heard kind of the opening of the show, but I, I went into kind of a, a deep diatribe and, and dive into his numbers and development and growth and then his consistency, keeping his mouth shut, just working. He is the prototypical. He is the guy that I want to build every NBA player after. And so I, I'm now I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, my main goal now is to keep Larry Markkinen happy. I just want him happy. I want him resigned. I want him to be a building block. Maybe he's not the number one, but he's a good, solid number two. And I want him and the future of the Jazz. When you look at Lowry, you look at his relationship with the Jazz. How consistent is it? How strong is it? Because he's up after next year playing for 18-1. He's got one more yeah, year on exactly. that contract. So I would say, you know, you got to listen to what he says. And I've seen quotes a myriad of quotes saying that he really has faith and confidence in what they're doing here and that he really likes it here. Um, the people I know around him, uh, really good friends with his coach, um, Hano Medela, played at the University of Utah. And, um, you know, every conversation we've had has been so positive about the the way they've handled them. you got to remember, this dude was in NBA jail. Like, rewind the tape and he was playing for Jim Boylan in Chicago when all hell broke loose and like the players were striking. And so his, he's seen a lot of stuff and he's also been, he's seen the unhappiness yeah, and he's also mm. been on a team where he probably should have been, you know, a guy getting the ball more, uh, but he wasn't. And he figured out a way to get through it. And he was always professional and respectful. Uh, it's why I don't buy into the narrative that I heard the last couple Nights that you know guys are really frustrated in the locker room, and Lowry looks frustrated. Lowry's frustrated because he's not playing as well lately. He's not making shots, um, and he wants to win. You know, um, but I, I don't read anything more into it than that. And I think he understands. Like I explained, that the money's all right here, the assets are all right here. We've got a great plan going forward. We know players, and we're going to surround guys, and it's going to be a great situation. I think he buys that. I was comparing it to the the climate that the Celtics were in when Danny Ainge was running it, and Paul Pierce was getting all kinds of restless, and, and then Danny finally pulled the trigger. Can you kind of reflect back to that time where all of a sudden Boston went from one thing to becoming a contender? I think it was in Danny Ainge's third year, maybe at the helm at, in Boston. Just are there any comparisons to what Boston did in that moment and, and Paul Pierce to maybe Lauren Markkinen and, and what we can read from what Danny did in that time? I think you just put the, the body of his moves together. I mean, you look at that one, it was pretty major. I mean, it, it sent shockwaves around the league. You know, they put all those guys together on a team. And then when it worked, I mean, that was awesome, right? And everybody – because you you can be a visionary, uh, and visionaries become really crazy all all the time. You know, it's like the guys are like, the world's going to end on February 14th, 2024. And they're standing there on the 15th going, 
my deduction was false. <laughs> you know, a guy's only visionary if that vision leads to success, and Danny's did. But Danny's has now here because he pulled off, in my mind, I think it would go down always as one of the great trades in a market that, you know, everybody was wrestling for a big old piece, and Danny got through, and they, they worked a deal, and he got, you know, half a small village back. It, it's insane. So, like I say, your war chest is everything in a rebuild. And I think they've knocked it out of the park with personnel selection. Getting Markin in the deal period was awesome because I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure they had to fight for that a little bit, but they knew who they wanted. So, I think when you look at the personnel and then, you know, you can't look at a draft like Ochai and say, oh, the draft. Now, look at percentages across the league. I collect basketball cards. You'll be so, it's so crazy. You get cards two years removed. You don't even know who the guys are. I mean, that's how many guys come through this league. So you're going to miss. But can you hit? Can you hit consistently? And I think they've got a great feel for players. Hands and Scotty and the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's your Jazz Preview Show. We'll continue with Coach coming up next as we get you ready for the Jazz and Charlotte coming up tonight. Jazz wrapping up the All-Star break and getting ready for the stretch run, the final 26 of the season right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... This is JJ and Alex. Voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, joining us on the program. I find NBA media really strange right now. Just think there's this, and maybe it's society, there's just this ridiculous quest to complain. Oh, the players are too skilled, and the offense is too good, and there's too much offense. <laughs> yeah, right. Scoring is at a record rate. Why? That's an interesting conversation. And two, what does it mean? How does it change the game? How does it change strategy? How does it change scouting? How does it change who you draft and who you acquire? How does it change how you build a team? These are the things that should be discussed. But instead, and maybe it's just because we're in soundbite society and because there's super popular NBA podcasts that actually don't watch games, we now sit around and just complain about this. It like, makes no sense to me at all. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. KSL Sports Zone. Love a little Van Halen. Running with the devil, hanging with Mr. Cooper. I'm kind of in between those. You can find me in there. When you were calling the game with Scotty, how many times did he, like in a break, turn to you and say, hey, 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 hey? Like, did he, did not, he, 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 not once. Just one time he, st- he, he looked at me and said, you're stepping on me, big kid. Did he, he brush no, down? No, no, he's listening. He said, you're stepping on me, big kid. <laughs> <laughs> No, he didn't. He did was he ever turn to you and say, did you do any prep for this? I, it was really kind of a hollowed experience for me. I hold Utah State in such high regard, their basketball program. I'm, as I told you guys, I'm a history buff. And 
I had one of the cooler experiences this summer. Rod Tuller, I got to, oh, I love to Rod. talk to. But he came up to me at the Coach Rose got put in the Hall of Fame. And Rod came up to me, and I was like, like, gonna, hey, can I, Rod, Coach? And he, like, I was introduced myself to him because I like him so much. I watched his teams. They were so tough. So I said, I went to say Coach. And he's like, Coach Lacombe, I listened to you on the radio. And I was like, holy cow, that is the coolest thing because I hold him in such high regard. And he, he just, you know, we're kindred spirits, and we didn't even know it. Yeah, he's the best. I love that guy. He's so much fun. Um, and, and the thing was, and I told Coach, like, I'm like, this is loosey-goosey. You know, we just, did. We're, yeah. just, we're just having fun. Because if we're having fun, the listeners are having fun. But to be there with Stu Knight, and you have a great Stu story you can't tell on the air, but uh, you got to tell hands during the break. Stu He'd love Knight? It. Stu Morrell. Oh. I do have actually a cool story I can't oh, tell. Oh, Stu Knight. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I can't not, tell. We, we weren't eating stew. I was like, no, hey, I thought you said we're not. We're not, like, we're not the Kelsey's doing hey, a commercial. You can mix that up and make a stew. Three, dude. Is that like a potluck? You can mix that up and make a stew. Rip Carl Weathers just recently. Hey, how good is Utah State, though? They're really good because they do the things that, Matt, you know, they're physical. And Danny's really coached. Like Isaac Johnson's, is, uh, he's such a great prospect. But I think everybody that sat and watched him was like, can he handle the rigors? And he went to Oregon and, you know, physically just didn't match up with the guys they had. They didn't put him out there. Um, and I think Danny was just really honest and told him, you know, we got to we got to get you doing more physical things. And I saw a play the other night in the San Diego State game. I had to rewind it. You know, he, the, he made the, the put back. Yeah. On the mystery. Yeah. I mean, a huge critical part of the game, too. Part. Holding on to a one-point lead. San Diego State's throwing a haymaker, and uh, and he rebounds that ball, puts it back up and in, puts him back up three, and it was just a huge play. So I think he's done a great job of certainly bringing guys like – I don't – you cannot – you cannot say enough about uh, uh, Osibor and uh, Darius Brown. Yeah. I love Darius Brown. He is he a lot like Dallin Hall. They're both just floor generals. If they need to score 25 and they fall into it, they're going to. They're not out there hunting shots or hunting opportunities. They're out there hunting wins. Okay, so I'm going to draw a Osborne comparison because it, it hit me. Um, what game did I? Oh, the San Diego State game. Yeah. Okay, and, and you guys can shoot me down. Feel free to shoot me down. Because you guys both He's know. nothing like Brian Bosworth. <sighs> All right. Would you agree on that, Scotty? Uh, yeah, I, I got your back on that. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> My great Osborne comparison is Serge Ibaka. I could buy that. Um, I, that's I, Yeah, I see that. That's that, that was the best one I could come up with. Because I kept thinking, man, what is it about his strength? And his movement, but yet Serge would still go out and he'd shoot a perimeter shot. They're both oak trees. Both oak trees. That was the thing about Osborne. I was that like, base geez, is geez, crazy. Man. And I'm telling you, he came off the bench for Montana State the last two years. When oh yeah. I, when I cover, I, I went and did their games against Montana or against Weber when they came to town a couple times with the irreverent Dave Fox. He was my partner <laughs> on those. Uh, the Reverend? The Reverend, yes. Did I say a Reverend? <laughs> yeah. He was just he was just christened a Reverend. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I got to see him twice, and I'm like, gosh, dang, that kid's a specimen. And then, you know, all leads to Scotty calling me and saying, man, Danny Sprinkle, you told me about him. His name's in the deal. Like, if you can push on him. But all credit, and that one goes to Jerry Bovey, who yes. was in a tough situation, not knowing if he's going to get the job. And based on the merits of that hire, maybe they had a – 
give him a little bit more money because he did a, he made a really good hire in the, in the process in the midst of complete chaos. No, no president. <laughs> I mean, tell me chaos. about it. Yeah, it's basically like, hey, meet me at the high spot, and we're going to negotiate a deal. I mean, there's I no. Think. I think. I, Do you I, trust me? Now, I'm, this is all verbal. I got to go get this okay. I mean, all that stuff. And, and it wasn't like Danny wasn't a hot commodity. Um, but I think Danny knew what he was looking for. I think he really thrives. He said it the other night. He looks around and goes, my goodness, I get to be the coach here. So he was looking for no returning talent? Is that he was No, saying? no, not that. No. <laughs> because- but I also think he, had, he has bigger sights than just – he's not a one-year, you know. I think he understands what process is. They've just really – um, I guess exceeded what you would expect from a team that had no one. You think Danny shook with how good they're good, they're they're rolling right oh, now? Oh yeah. You think he shook? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Like, yeah. But now you look at the product and you're like, what do I got here? These guys are really believing. You you know you mentioned the connection with Brown Osborne. You throw a false live in his athleticism, dude. He's amazing. His movement, and yeah. especially when I'm in the gym. I challenged him. Do you know that? No. Yeah. Before practice at shoot around, I said, "Get past me." No, I, oh. so I recruited the kid, and I said, he looked at me, and he said, you remember me? He goes, I mean, I, he pulled a dollar out of his wallet to give it to me. I think he knew. I thought I was in despair. I'm like, no, it's me, Tim. Go get yourself a warm meal. Yeah, so when I said Lacombe, he's like, oh, Lacombe. So I said, hey, I'm up here. Have a game. And did he have a game? He yes. had a great game. Oh, yeah. oh he lit it like up. Like a young yeah. Scott Gerrard. His first half was just... <laughs> 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 how uh, how quickly did you guys get ruled out on that recruiting? Because I know you offered him what is a oh, it was an unbelievable story. So in Vegas, and first chance we can see him, and I saw an out an outing akin to what we saw that night. He was all over the place. He was fierce. He was fearless. They're playing this team from back east, and so I walked out of the gym. I say, Coach, I think we're gonna we gotta go on this kid, and. So we, we had them down in between uh, weeks, evaluation weeks. Uh, they came down on an unofficial. We did our thing. And they went back out. And I, I may be getting the chron- chronological order wrong. So if compliance is listening, don't hold me to this. <laughs> no, but in the interim, they, uh, they, you know, Utah had offered. And then I was driving in Vegas. I'll never forget it. My phone rings. I'm in my rental car, and it's Mason. I'm like, hey, what's up? And we had offered him like four days before, and he's in the ninth grade. And he's like, uh, I really just wanted to thank you for the offer. I was like, ah, oh, sweet, no problem. I thought he wanted to chat. And he's like, uh, but Utah just offered me, and I'm going to take that one. And that's uh, when I knew, like, WCC, uh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, well, they had the Trump card, WCC. man. I was like, I got to wear more cologne. But, son, we're going to play all up and down well, the West Coast. And Ryland probably had a little bit to do with that. You know, his dad oh, yeah. probably had a little bit to do with that. Well, they were also, Larry had that, he just had the dog collar on that uh, yeah. on that traveling team. So he's always been able to be with them. And it was not illegal. It would just, it would eat my craw because I would go to the tournaments and be sitting over there with, you know, with the coaches. And Larry would be over there with the, sitting right next to the false loves watching his kid play. And you can do it, you know. So it was just a. I just needed to have more kids. Who on that current Utah State roster translates to the NBA the most? I think he may. It'd be Foslev. I tell you what, though, do you I agree with that, Scotty. I think just on the track he's on. I mean, yeah. I great's just kind of a odd size. You know, what is he six? Really six, seven? Yeah, yeah, probably. 
Um, you know, I think they list him at how six big eight was six Ladee? nine. Ladee's when you six, saw nine. those two next to each Ladee's, other. Ladee's longer. Yeah, Osborne's got him. He's Beef. a little bit beefier. Beefier. Yeah. But Ladee, you watch Ladee come out on the court, you're like, oh, my god! Holy cow, has he gotten that better, dude, too. That dude's a man. You remember when he, he like, oh, when, yeah. He could hardly walk and chew gum. Yeah. They've done a great job of developing. He which, He's got a nice shot. Which, to jump, not to jump, but just to give credit, I think where BYU's knocked it out of the park is development. You know, they, a couple of years, that each year they would kind of re, restock the cupboard with nice, shiny toys. But I think what they found was, you know, all those toys are in the portal for a reason. And... You know, you kind of start figuring out, man, there's a lot of me guys in that portal. The, the best way to build the teams the old-fashioned way is to, to to bet on a couple guys, you know, treat them really great and develop the heck out of them. And I think you see that in Dallin Hall. I think you see that in Droves and Spencer Johnson. I think you see that uh, already with Jackson Robinson in a short period of time. The big guys there have gotten way better. Like, Ali Khalifa needs to have his own radio station or channel. Like, the guy's a – he's a phenomenon. Yeah, I, I was just talking about Ali quite a bit and put out a couple of videos on on the guy. Scotty and I were just talking about this. What is it? And Mimidokor was just on the station, so it made us talk about it a little bit too. What is it with these uh, longer kind of the, like the bigger, more deliberate stepped bigs? They're not overly fast. They're not overly physical. They're, but their delivery is on time, in rhythm. And, and it just makes a game and a team flow, even though they're not this specimen. It's almost the Kelly Olenek, but Kelly's maybe a little bit more athletic than some that we're talking about. How do those guys fit so well in the game? And why does their game work so well? Because the game's all spacing, right? And you get somebody who sees the floor like he sees it, for starters. So he's got the skill. First of all, he's got great hands and he's got great – his feet. I never thought he would be able to play defense, and they've got they've got to figure it out with him, which is really impressive. Um, but back to offense, I think it's he's got the skill to shoot it over the top of you if you're not guarding him. He's got the like got unbelievable ability. Like if it's one to ten, you know, and you rate a guy on passing, he's a ten. Um, the pass he made the other day across his face to a cutter that nobody thought was even in play mm-hmm. was incredible. So the way he sees the floor, it, it just creates space for him. You know what I mean? Like, it, he's such a great passer that people have to crawl up in him. If they're crawled up in him, they can't help on a screen, yeah. on a down screen. That's why you see so many free Correct. runs to the rim. Yeah. And, and that's why toward the end of that game, after making 14 threes, they were so <laughs> paralyzed at that three-point line that even if they wanted to go help, they couldn't. And Waterman two times, Waterman once and Foose the other, right down the center, and dunk the ball with five Baylor guys yeah. hugging the three-point line. Yeah. It was fascinating. That's when you know your offense has absolutely broken a defense. Yeah, it, I was talking to Scotty about Osborne and his passing. Oh, I know. It, that's you know. it. And that's the thing. You've got Khalifa and Osborne, who are two not just great players, very different players in how in their skill sets, but, boy, just elite passers. Yeah, too. exactly. See the floor. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested to see. It's a great question on the NBA thing for – for Utah State, I think false level. I said it on the air that night. If he can play at that level, and what's cool is it takes guys a year or so typically to get that confidence. You remember Sam Merrill or in his career? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's questioning everything he did. It's just human nature. You get imposter syndrome. Should I really be here? Um, you get through that, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start walking around with a little. And then you're like, you know, you think about your senior year at BYU. Like, you were bigger than. Oh, yeah. Right? Nobody could touch no, you're your confidence it. and mm-hmm. your comfort level. But 
to see that already in him, that's the stuff that kind of stands out to me. Is Ali the best uh, translate to the NBA for BYU's roster? Or is it Jackson? Starting, I, it's starting to. I'm telling you, I've, I've heard some buzz around him. And um, I think when any guy that has just an elite skill set, you know, you've seen elite shooters, that's really what they do. Uh, J.J. Redick, uh, then they, they complement their game. But I think guys can get in the league on elite skill, yes. All right, we'll take one final break, wrap this thing up. Tim Lacombe hanging out with us in studio, talking jazz, talking college hoops. Hey, look, we're talking everything. Come on, let's get to it. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. You need to see this jazz team up close and in person. Oh, that was filthy. Listen all day, every Tuesday, for your chance to win jazz tickets. As the Zone will give away jazz tickets at 30 past the hour, every hour, all day long. It's Jazz Ticket Tuesday. Every Tuesday, all season long, presented by UCCU. Love where you bang. And on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. For the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, yeah, we've got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart that I'm feeling for you. Never see what crazy. Wrapping up another edition of the show, Hans and Scotty, but more importantly, Tim Lacombe. Jazz taking on Charlotte tonight. Coach Charlotte's a mess. Jazz get the win tonight. Yeah, they'll win tonight. Um, I thought Charlotte, you know, the move they made, getting rid of P.J. Washington, he was one of the – Yeah, I like him, you know. But I think the Jazz, if – I think a couple things. I think they need to play connected. It's a word you hear all the time, but I think it's one of the more important words for them right now. With veterans gone, new guys playing, and I think the veterans got to reach down and help them, but this, the team's got to play connected. Like we saw them play against Golden State. We saw some good things, and then I want to see the, the continued growth from these young guys um, and see where they can take it. Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller. And Miller, the Miller-George, uh, you know, two really good fresh or rookies. Uh-huh. That'll be a fun little battle. Uh, Brandon Miller's out of Alabama, was the second pick in the draft. Um Chatted with, you know, he had he was in that incident with the gun, right? You remember all that craziness at Alabama. Uh, and I talked sure to his coach do. about it, Nate Oates. Nate's a great friend, longtime Juco guy. T- talk about a guy who has just busted his tail to get where he's at. But yet one of the greater dudes, like, will take time to call me on a bus to check in. It's just neat. Um, but he's uh, he talked about how great a kid he is, you know, back, and it was kind of during that time. Um, and he just, you know, it was unfortunate. Probably wrong place, wrong time. But he's having a nice, nice first year. Very nice. Averaging sixteen and a half points a game. Yep. And looks he, the part. He's doing his thing. Looks the part. Looks like he's going to have a real fit in mm-hmm. the league for a long time. But I, I just, I'm just curious, man. I can't wait. I'm going to watch this thing with open eyes, and because it's like, all right, this is still a watermark. No, it is. Charlotte is a watermark. Oh com- yeah. Coming out of the All Star break, it's. It's going to be a tale of of many of many things of what this Jazz team is going to do to finish out their final twenty plus. And I think the way to you know to look at it is game to game. You know, what kind of changes do you see maybe in rotation? Um, because I still think we're in that. Now we've had to rewind the tape back to forming, and you know you saw a guy in THT who didn't get a lot of minutes at all in that 
major swath of the season, and now he's getting minutes because he's one of the guys I you know that can understand what to do, where to be. So there's just functional things that they're trying to figure out now, too. By the way, we were talking about the chances of the Utah Jazz making it into that 10 spot and finding their way into the play-in. If they're going to do it, it's going to take a Keontae George explosion through the final 20-plus. That's that's what it is, a scoring and fit explosion by Keontae George. And we've seen, like the other night we saw, a great shooting night, but it has been the the bugaboo for him, but it is for many rookies. You know, the speed of the game changes, the physicality, the duration of the season. There's so many factors. Um, but I'm with you. I think if he can get consistent shooting the ball, he's shown he can play make. He's starting to become more comfortable as a leader. Um, you know, defense, he's got to get better, right? He's got to do a better job of taking that challenge. Um, but I think all told, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, but I'm excited for him to be able to kind of put a, a stamp on the season with some consistency here on the back end. Well, Coach, appreciate it. Have a great call tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I, when they were playing uh, uh, the shutdown music right there, nothing's going to stop us now. I got tears in my eyes. And I know. wanted to pull my lighter out, but then I remembered I was in the studio. You can still pull it out. I just felt like I was close to the stage. Stop it. <laughs> I guess there are like, Didn't want to if like something the were to catch fire, fire, there would be moisture. Yeah, Bonneville doesn't look too kindly upon lighters. Uh, I'll have to tell you. There could uh, be moisture. I'll have to tell you the story about when I tried to touch the lead singer for uh, the Toadies. I tried to Did you re- get kicked? I tried to reach out. I got elbowed. Security guard got me. Didn't even see him. He was sitting right behind the wall. Did take you out? Yeah, put me down. You? And I was underage. I got to see him. I shouldn't have been in there, but I, I was. That's got myself the to the only front time row. you've ever transgressed any law. Mosh, moshing. Very obedient young lad. Yes, that's hands. <laughs> you know it, Coach. You know me all. You guys so, are my guys. So I love well. you. Thanks for having me in. Thank Absolutely. You. JJ and Alex coming up next, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. I know this baby's about to be out ya, but I was listening to a little in ya. 